the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Juicy Podcast. I am so excited to have Lucy Pugh from Working From with us. Lucy, what's your title? I don't even know. These days, it's regional head of sales. So uh, the region is soon to be stretched from London over to Brussels. So it's uh, a new region we're creating. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack now and ask how you are, not your business, you personally. How are you? A very good question, actually. Right. I think it's often washed over to ask it specifically in that frame. But yeah, I'm good. I'm enjoying a lot more lighter days. They're longer and lighter, Mm -hmm. which is enjoyable. So it's definitely been helping with early morning workouts and just keeping a bit more of a positive frame of mind. So that's where I'm at right now, I'd say. Awesome. Awesome. How's your business? Yeah, good. We uh we reached I mean this sounds straight in with with stats for you, but we reached occupancy at hundred percent back in June twenty one. Um mm-hmm. so since then it's kind of been a series of of Tetris moves trying to <laughs> help members grow within the space, but obviously we are one space in London for the moment. So it's just a case of managing expectation and helping people grow where possible and also downsize where possible too. So that's been mm-hmm. really interesting. 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 So so you've had like have you have you seen people not utilizing their space because the influx of hybrid and stuff like that and people are only coming in like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and you're like, hey guys, actually you could have a smaller office. Yeah, and it's funny because I think previously that'd be something that would probably scare people to say, have less space <laughs> from us. But I think yeah. because obviously you want to retain the, the community and the business as long as they're staying in the space if it helps them to kind of swap with somebody else in a sense we have actually had that a scenario where somebody had a 24 and somebody has a six and actually believe it or not they want to go in completely opposite way no because for them it works like maybe that 24 is actually a company of 40 people and that company of six is now starting to be a company of 24 so they go the other way i love so it i love it yeah it's it's a perfect example of exactly what you say like the hybrid working um Yeah. And also a testament to knowing your customers, right? If you don't know them and you don't know what's going on, you would never know that they needed to swap. Totally. And I mean, our engagement team are a testament to that. Like they spend, you know, each day, each week, kind of just naturally having these conversations in a really organic Mm -hmm. way. It's not kind of checking in like, right, who needs to downsize? Who's upscaling? It's very much just conversationally through like members breakfasts or events that take place in the space. They just have an opportunity there and then to grab five minutes and go see what's going on with them as a company. So smart. So for people that don't know, who who is working from and and how are you guys associated with the Hoxton? Shall I go right back to the beginning or where should I start? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm interested <laughs> in the whole start, journey. Usually. Yeah. So we opened back in February of 2020. Lucky us. Great timing. Great timing. Um, yeah, we do. We, we were like, this feels like a good time. So we had a really awesome launch week, packed full of events. February itself was super busy. The the ramp up for pre-sale, despite us being, you know, the new kid on the block, good with nothing else to kind of show about who we were in terms of frame of reference for prospective members. We were super busy with tours and inductions, but obviously swiftly followed by March 2020, which... We know what that brought. I don't need to yep. <laughs> further clarify that. So after a series of like lockdowns, you know, we closed, we reopened a few times, mostly down to the fact because where we are a real estate business or a hospitality business and our government very much gave the guidelines under those 
while various different industries and wherever you fell, everyone was kind of trying to look for direction. So it was, okay, I guess for real estate. So we'll, we'll follow that. So if there, you know, if offices are closed, we're closed. And then over time, it became clear that actually co-working kind of sat in this no man's land that meant that we could actually reopen. So we we followed suit with, I think it was the third lockdown <laughs> that we had, mm-hmm. that we decided actually we're going to be a bit more independent and think for ourselves here. So so after all of those openings and re- closing and reopening, we finally reached capacity in June of the following year. And it's kind of been pushing forward ever since. And then, so the Hoxton is a hotel brand and Working From is a co-working brand within the Hoxton? Exactly. And and for now, that's where it sits. I say for now to watch the space in terms of what Working From might do in the future. But for now, it's um, we have Chicago. So we have Fulton Market, which opened a little bit before Southwark and then Southwark within London, and then Brussels soon to open over in Belgium. Excellent. And do you know how many are planned after that? I couldn't possibly share that on, on this podcast, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's you know, we're, we're part of a larger sort of parent company with, with the core. So I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities. I think Sharan recently spoke in an article discussing the possibility of, you know, Mama Shelter, 25 Hours, um, Mondrian, SLS, any of these companies, uh, any of these hotels, brands that sit mm-hmm. with it within our core uh, are an option. Yeah, I've always thought that hospitalities and hotels specifically are where a lot of growth is going to come from because you guys already know hospitality. And that's just such a key part of co-working. And I would actually submit that you guys, you know, are not real estate, your hospitality, because what you do is you take care of people, period. Right. And I think, to be honest, people really appreciate that authenticity. I think it's quite clear and obvious whether it's forced or whether it's natural. And I think because obviously the hospitality piece is already embedded in us with the hotel and with restaurants and various other brands that sit within with Anismore as a company, it's not surprising that people can kind of feel it naturally rather than kind of feeling that it's forced upon them. So I think um, it's definitely appreciated. And I think that in turn leads to longevity with our members and just a better experience overall. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I saw your space when I was in town for Juicy UK. And, you know, it was so great because at that point, the US was just kind of coming back. And London was so fully back and being in a full co-working space felt so great. And I love one of my favorite things is your design team has all these just catchy little funny moments around the dishwasher, let's say, or an exit door. And it was fun to put those up on Instagram because I like your 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 cheeky design team. The Hoxton voice is, is certainly unique. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love it. So for our listeners out there, what's different in working from, say, a traditional co-working brand like a WeWork or an Industrious or a TOG? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'd like to say I do have friends that work at, at all of these all of these lovely places. And actually, to be honest, that's actually one of my favorite parts of this industry, because I think we're all very open and collaborative and it's really nice. Totally. Um, and that's not often seen in some industries. So, But back to the question. The hotel, I think, is obviously an obvious USP, but... And by no means an undervalued one. I think that, you know, the things that we're able to offer, not just the hospitality and the level of service, but the deadline day as an example, you like conf- I'll explain that one. So it's, uh, it's something that we do with members working late. They can call down to the host team. And if there's a room in the hotel available, uh, it's theirs for 45 of the local currency. So over in Chicago, $45. Oh my God, I love that. Euros over in Brussels. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, and there's also a desk service. So if you've had a busy day or the weather's not looking great, which 
it definitely isn't today. And let's be honest, in London, <laughs> that's a very real possibility most days. So you can just order from Alby, which is one of the restaurants in the Hoxton Southwark down in the lobby. And our host team will bring that up to you wherever you are in the building. So whether you're Love it. on a day bed on the 12th floor or you're in a desk in your office, we can bring the food to you. So those are kind of the, the hotel pieces. But for me personally, I think a massive attraction was and, and still is the flexibility. So our model was always intended to be flexible obviously the industry the clues in the name but for us specifically with private offices they only have to commit for two months and then fixed offices which we call open studios uh, and hot desks are just one month and I think a lot of companies have pivoted and adapted quite rightly since COVID um, but it's something that was already in our DNA at the beginning which kind of meant that it was very easy to carry out and also meant that during um, and, and after COVID, obviously commitment was scary for companies So for, and for all of us, really. So I think that this was hugely appreciated then and continues to be now. And I'd say surprisingly or perhaps unsurprisingly, um, a lot of those members have stayed longer than one or two months with you know a large number now with us for almost the three-year point where we've been open. So I think... For us, it's like, for me personally, flexibility. The hotel is a big part of that. And lastly, but obviously, as we've discussed, by no means least, hospitality. So I think, as I said before, when it's ingrained in everything that you do, people can see that it's authentic and appreciate it. Yeah, 100%. One of my complaints as of recently in the US with co-working spaces has been, there's a lot of times I walk into a co-working space and there's no one to greet you or the door's locked and you can't get in because you don't have a fob. It's like, what is that experience telling? to the individual that's coming to your co-working space. It's funny that you mentioned that because actually that's something that I really appreciate in our space is that our team is, you know, sort of 20 people strong, which isn't always the case and it's not always mm-hmm. possible necessarily. Um, but but it is here and I, and I think that that is definitely something that helps. Yeah, fantastic experience. I remember walking into, you know, the the ground floor in Suffolk and there were, I think, two or three people at the desk ready to help us. And that's lovely. And yeah, not everybody can do that, but it's a it's a great experience. So I know you guys are at capacity. What is your thought on how's the rest of London doing? Is everybody still kind of at capacity? Because when I was there last or September, it was like everybody was like, yeah, we're 90% or 100%. And so like, are you looking for a new location in London? Yeah. And I think it's no longer a joke, is it right? Before when we were at Juicy event. <laughs> yeah, it was like, a joke yeah, at Juicy. Everyone's, everyone's like, oh yeah, everybody. <laughs> But yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, you are. Yeah, but they, but it's serious. <laughs> but every no, but everyone is like I think, and it's cool. I think that it's clearly a booming market. Like everyone knows that right now uh, in London, mm-hmm. demand heavily outweighs supply. I think after the final lockdown of 21, 2021 rather, many spaces were still struggling. It was kind of as if like everyone had been a few rounds with Tyson uh, in the ring and it took like everybody different amounts of time <laughs> to get back up again and start going. So I think like, especially those with like multiple sites. So to your point, we don't yet, uh, we haven't yet opened another one in London. Something I definitely love to do. There's clearly a hunger for it. But yeah, it's clear that Southwark, Soho, Shoreditch, the city, just some of the few of the key neighbourhoods, they're all thriving, which is really good to see. So I think the next piece we discussed briefly at Juicy actually was like Mm -hmm. the suburban market and what that looks like. And I think like how other major cities, whether it's Birmingham, Manchester, Bristol, and the big towns around them and how they continue to attract companies. I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And in the US, one of the things we're seeing is um, lots of people don't go in on Monday. And lots of people don't go in on Friday. 
And a lot of people are just doing like a Tuesday, Thursday or a day, Wednesday, Thursday. And I was just curious if it's like that in London as well. Oh, definitely. It's, um, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which they have a very rude word for it. So I don't think I'll say it. Uh, on here but oh Nikki oh, already I'll, said it on a, on okay, a call or okay good yeah. all right so anyone yeah. else can just guess who's listening in um but yeah <laughs> so Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I would say predominantly but that being said and everyone's kind of like cool that's not new information but actually I'd say our Mondays are growing and our Friday our Fridays are pretty dead so just to give you an idea you're probably looking at say around 400 people which still is like 50 percent of our occupancy um, mm-hmm. on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like a maximum of that number. And then on a Monday, sort of like 250. Yeah, I actually... Fridays, even less than those. I was doing a lot of the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now I switch it up because I like that it's slower on those days. That's the other thing. And that's why I really enjoy it as well, because <laughs> when I show people around, initially they're like, well, can you just do a membership where it's just these three days or it's just this? And then other people are like, actually, I'm going to be creative with this. You carry on doing this one. That's fine. I'm in a couple of the days when you've already told me it's quiet. This suits me fine. So mm-hmm. I think, as you say, like everyone seems to be working really nicely and cohesively with each other it's as if they all have a google calendar and they're all like mm-hmm. aware of when they're when they're going to come in which is nice because being that we have a lot of space anyhow no one's really feeling any type of a pinch in terms of yeah not finding that meeting room or phone booth which are obviously everyone's favorite things and and finding that communal space hey hey breaking in here to make sure that you're in the know our annual workspace conference juicy is right around the corner it's a three-day program taking place in chicago april 19th through the 21st this year's event is going to be packed with amazing speakers exciting panel discussions and fireside chats plus plenty of after hours events for networking whether you're a co-working operator landlord or vendor just interested in the future of work this conference has something for you it's divided into tracks so that you can attend the sessions that are most relevant to you right here, right now. Mark your calendars April 19th through the 21st and don't miss out on this opportunity to connect with others, learn from the best, and be a part of the co-working revolution. The content is great, but the people are better. You need to be in the room. Tickets are available at na.gcuc.co. Hope to see you there. So that's another one I'm curious about. So here in the U.S., I think because Zoom calls got to be, you know, such a thing, it feels like the phone booths and the meeting rooms are always full. Are you guys experiencing that as well? And how are you, what are you doing to overcome that? I would say so. And I think if you ask any co-working space, they're going to say the same thing. I think there's never any such thing as enough. Mm. Ideally, if it were, you know, in a dream world, you'd have like a phone booth and a meeting room for every company, but that's not physically possible in the building. So I think for me, it's about understanding what the market standard is, what people are expecting making sure that you're definitely adhering to that. And obviously you would always hope to go above and beyond within reason. So for us, you know, we've done surveys each year um, and and outside of that as well, just organically speaking to people and understanding like mm-hmm. what they feel is is a minimal expectation. And we were able to add an additional four meeting rooms to the initial five that we had when we first opened. So we've got mm. nine in total now. Things like phone booths, often there are some companies that didn't even know they could add one within their office. So some companies have done that as well, which has been really cool to see. We've got a company that's got 60 desks on the 11th floor and like in one of their studios, they've added phone booths. They've taken mm-hmm. the desks out and just created their own. So that definitely helps us. But also I think it's nice for them to have a sense of ownership while still being part of a community. So I think that's, they've been with us since the very beginning. And I definitely always got the sense that you know, as we said before, that companies would eventually outgrow us being just one site, but 
they found ways to adapt. I love it. And that's so nice. I actually haven't, I've heard of people adding like a meeting room or an office within an office, but rarely do you hear about a phone booth. That's super smart. I also like seeing the things that people are doing creatively to handle the demand of the phone booth. So like some people have converted them to standing only, which is brilliant. And another thing I saw at work bar in Boston that I loved is they've got a pane of glass on the outside of the phone booth and they just take a marker and you just sign up for your time. I've seen that actually in another space in North London, actually. It's a really good idea. I think my worry would be what if someone rubs it out? (laughs) That would be, that would be terribly dishonest. I think, and also I suppose, yeah, it's tough when things that manage at membership level because sometimes it can some people are fairer than others um, and and that can be tricky so we try Mm -hmm. and help them out as much as possible by having like fair use policies in place for them to just do it themselves so with the phone booths they aren't they aren't monitored as such but sitting in one right now I would say like usually 30 to 40 maybe an hour would be like your maximum otherwise your cheeks get quite rosy and it's quite cozy in here oh yeah that's the other thing yeah take the ventilation out of them Yeah, no, I mean, we got, we got good <laughs> ventilation and it's, um, and it's nice because it's, it's comfortable, it's soundproof, you can achieve what mm-hmm. you want to, which is to have a private conversation in a quiet space. But I think, you know, things like some spaces have plugs in them and some are more comfortable than others. I wouldn't suggest putting an uncomfortable chair or as you, you made the point, someone just takes a chair out altogether. That was yeah, yeah. Option, but it's striking that balance between like, let it be what you need it to be, but share mm-hmm. it with others kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, since you guys are like a hospitality driven business, what is what is something that you think like co-working could learn from hospitality that you don't often see? I think service first is, a, is an important thing, like the experience as a whole. So that like mm-hmm. ends from being just walking through the door and being greeted politely to having an awesome time at a great event and the people that you meet there. I think community is something and a word that's thrown around a lot, as is hospitality to some extent, depending on the space. So I think like being authentic with those things, if you're going to do them, do them properly and do them well. Otherwise, don't necessarily choose to identify with them. So I think like that's a big one. Just like people would rather you be honest, <laughs> though, you know. If you're if you're a person down in your team that day, then then that's okay. Mention that, you know. I think like yeah. it's not. I think some spaces, obviously, as I say, don't have the capacity or the ability to be able to have large teams. So sometimes just being a bit human, I think, really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, f- f- for me, I think one thing that we do well is is hot, one of one of many um, is is the hospitality piece and the service. Yeah, just making sure that you know if somebody needs something last minute, how can we help them to the best of our ability it's not always going to be possible in life in general so what can we do to mitigate something for them if it's they've had a tough day or something's come up really last minute that they weren't expecting and they know you know normally they would have booked that meeting room or normally they would have um booked that reservation for seabird on the roof how can we help them in any way possible basically i think is important yeah, and I think that's such a such a great point. It's like also making sure that your team has the approval to go above and beyond, right? So that like if they see something that they can help address, that they just have the power to go do it. So often lately in customer care situations, you know, people just read you back the rules or tell you they can't like giving your community team the ability to, you know, go spend 50 bucks on a gift card or 
you know, um, yeah, boot some, some reservation so that they can get in because they forgot to, and there's an important business meeting, you know, whatever it is, like just Completely. giving them the, yeah. like, you can go do this for them. Yeah. The, like the autonomy to be able to say, like, even if you are part of a larger company or a bigger group, like, what do you have within your own power in that moment on that day to fix something? Because ultimately something that starts as just a small, like grumble can be- very quickly become a larger issue. Yeah. So just it's just a lot nicer and a lot more human. I think people appreciate, even if sometimes the answer can't always be yes or be exactly what a member or a customer hopes it would be. Like I said, if you're honest and you kind of say, Mm -hmm. normally we could, but we can't because of this. But actually, I've thought Mm -hmm. of this as an alternative. So I think it's just like put yourself in their shoes, understand where they're coming from, and if you are still, after all that, unable to reach the desired outcome, at least you've shown authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's like another thing I'm often like reminding co-working operators about is I think like over time, you know, the the onboarding process has always been this and the, you know, tour goes like this. And it's like, it just takes some fresh eyes and go through some of your processes and see if it still makes sense. Because the other thing like post-pandemic that we've definitely seen is people's tolerance for barriers is really small. So like they just want to get in, get to their desk and get to work. And the the least amount of things that you can do to get in their way, the better. I literally couldn't agree more. And it's something that I will, when we, like, as and when we're expanding, I hope to kind of, um, and I suspect we will because it's in our DNA, like seamless experience uh, is a big one because when I was mentioning earlier about flexibility of contracts, I mean, that was like, you know, the, the boring version of the answer. But I think it also does refer to, as you say, the user journey. Like, that's again, sounds so textbook, but like your mm-hmm. experience having as few obstacles as possible is what's going to be the difference between you enjoying it and also it just being a bit arbitrary. And I think like but for us, like your contract's super short, it's super sweet. Like people, you just, you know, nothing, nothing's difficult and long-winded. You can be signed up within five minutes, whether you have a large office and you want mm-hmm. to stay for a long time that everyone has rolling contract or if you want to like do something like a hot desk for a month it's really very quick and easy and I think that people appreciate that yeah for sure I'm curious since you guys are all so at capacity in London are do aggregators play in that market do you guys have people like dust paths and liquid space placing people in or are you like yeah we're good yeah i i believe like i i definitely hear, hear that being the case first mm-hmm. places that have multi-site within london definitely mm-hmm. i think spaces that accommodate it that being said though i have to say like i felt like we were one of the few initially who were had to kind of like really not close the gates but certainly restrict the number of yeah. game passes that we were able to host purely because obviously you want members to have a good experience in the space and everyone is equal but obviously members are our priority because they're here mm-hmm. day in day out so we're actually just Tuesday Wednesday Thursdays but I think I think that it's important to manage expectations so I think with you know Upflex or Desana or any of these great aggregates um, that you've mentioned they they are going to suit certain spaces even those spaces that are at capacity they'll still potentially suit them because maybe that space has a whole floor that is a bit more Mm -hmm. free and easy 
um, to accommodate day passes or hot desks, whereas spaces that are much more office oriented, uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to focus in a little bit on you, Lucy. So you mentioned a morning workout earlier. I'm curious what you do kind of daily to help with your mental health. Well, unfortunately, I've used my answer there because that is the thing that I have to do to help with mental health. <laughs> but no, what else do you fine. do? <laughs> I, for me, social interaction is a big one too. So I think like as much, and I mean, it's again, age old boring answer, but especially post pandemic, like everybody is enjoying returning to the office because they're craving that interaction. So I think that's a big one. But in terms of like a routine and a schedule, yeah, working out definitely keeps my mind like in a good place and I think that outside of that for me I I'm actually an avid football fan by that I mean soccer not football yeah yeah um, but sadly I'm a Man U fan and as of this Sunday it was pretty embarrassing I don't think I want it recorded forever and ever the result but uh, <laughs> it was a pretty big whooping from uh, a team called Liverpool mm. so yeah I'd like rather forget that one but that normally helps my mental health on this occasion it's yeah. probably been to the detriment but uh-huh. <laughs> usually that puts me in a great headspace but yeah, yeah. I'd say people people and and exercise yeah, for sure. For sure. I am I am the same. I am a little bit lazy sometimes and spend too many days at the home office um, instead of going into the co-working space. And I need to get better about that. Like, yeah, the queen of co-working. You got to be I in the know, co-working space. I know, right? <laughs> and but like part of what so I've always had a morning routine that's always been really big for me. Like I get up that helps before sure. I need to be anywhere always. Like I need time to like just be okay with the fact I'm not in bed anymore. And yeah. then I need to drink a lot of coffee. And I do like prayer and meditation. And recently I was listening to a podcast and it was saying like, you just have to do just a 10 minute walk, just a 10 minute walk in the morning outdoors. You have to do it. So I was like, you know what, Mel Robbins, I'll give it a go. So I did. <laughs> and I'm on it's- week two or three. And, and how do you feel? Amazing. It is, I yep. am so much much better it's bizarre what a difference it makes this is the thing I think like sometimes and I'm the same I'm there's a frustration where you're like yeah yeah cool that's nice but then like there's science behind it and as frustrating as as it is to admit defeat they are right and in the in the end is it defeat if it does something good for you too right so it's uh, well and there's something about like seeing the sunrise and I have a little owl in my owl house so I get to see my little owl every morning I know I know. How how authentic is that? <laughs> I know. And so, and then like, I was really doing it to like get my body moving, but I really feel like what it does is it gets my mind moving. Yeah. But it, and that's just it. There's a, you know, circadian rhythm and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's method yeah. of madness. It frustrates me, but it's true. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing you this fall at Juicy UK. Fall already. We haven't had spring yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I'm but, uh, always like because of Juicy, I'm always thinking about the next events and when they are and what I have like because like there's so much ahead. work. <laughs> Right. There's so much work that goes into it. Somebody asked me the other day where Juicy USA was going to be next year. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have no idea yet. (laughs) I was I need to get working on that. (laughs) Like we need to attend. 24 is almost here. (laughs) (laughs) 
you, that must be frightening, but it's it's exciting. And yeah, do you, do you know where GC UK will be in the fall? It will be in London. I don't know okay. where yet. We are looking Save at October. We needed to move away from a conference in the US to give our sponsors a, the ability to go to both. So we yep. wanted to move a little bit away from a competing event. So we're looking at early October, which is new for us. And I'll promise you yeah. the best weather. I, I told you before that September would be all right, but you know, we might we might be getting cold at that point. Yeah, well, you know what? As a Texas girl, I don't mind that one bit. You're welcoming of it. Okay. I am. Deal. I kind of like it. I like to visit fall. It is it's so nice. hot here in October. That's true. You have to call it autumn here, though, if you're going to be here. Too. Oh, you do? Okay. Autumn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lucy, it's always a delight to catch up with you. You know, I'm a huge fan of working from. I love what you guys do. I love what you do and can't wait to hang out with you this fall at UC UK. Likewise. Can't wait. Thank you for having me. Of course. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Thank you.